Hello, welcome back to RyeCast. I'm James Stewart, and this week it's all about one of Rye's legends, a master storyteller. Did you guess who it is from the clue last time? I love Rye because of the history of Rye. It's fascinating. It's Noel Varley, one of the people many of you have suggested I talk to. So I'm meeting Noel at his home for some memories of wartime Rye, travels to faraway places, thoughts on life in Rye today, and a look ahead to an event he's hosting at the Community Centre on Easter Saturday. Now in his 80s, Noel has been a big part of our town for decades, building boats, working with Rye Rotary, and he's just finished his morning game of balls on the Strand. A lifelong Rye, or is he? Noel, thank you for your time. It's no exaggeration to say that many people I've talked to say, you must go and talk to Noel, so I'm really glad that you're here. You weren't actually born in Rye, though, were you? No, no. they always say, well, you're a Rye. I said, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a Yorkshireman. They say, you're not a bloody Yorkshireman. I said, I am. You've got to be born in the Citadel to be a true Rye. They said, well, we call you a Rye. I said, well, I'm not really. And so how come you ended up here? With the parents. They came down from Yorkshire. Um, we lived in the Mermaid Street. I imagine it's around about 1936. I was born in 34. And then just at the outbreak of the war, we moved to 24 Church Square, which they've renumbered. No, no, number 26. God alone knows why. They've <laughs> buggered about with the numbers. Anyway, we were there for the rest of the war. And then immediately after the war, the army moved out of the Jolly Sailor, which was one of Rye's notorious pubs in the old days. And my parents bought the Jolly Sailor when it was all one place then. And so we were there then until we moved to Pet. My first recollection, so I must have been, what, five or six, was a fire engine. I presume it must have been coming up Mermaid Street because Jerry had dropped an incendiary on Deeson's. Now, Deeson's was a shop on the link where the West Street runs into the Mermaid. On the corner, it was a grocer's shop. And that's my first memory of the war, really, as a kid, of the noise, I suppose, of the fire brigade. One of the sad things, we were at the end of the Watchbell Street. I was there, quite a few people, and this would have been, you know, midday-ish. We heard this plane coming along, and the ACAC opened up. We all cheered because they obviously hit it. It was a bowfighter, and the bowfighter crashed quite near Winchelsea Railway Station. Of course, we all cheered because, you know, it was good. You might say, well, as a kid of whatever age you were, what were you doing down there? I suppose and I had more twankings from Father by Cain than I've had anything else, I would think, because I was always out doing things. And damn me, and I read the report, the same thing happened again in January next year. The same bowfighter, same make of plane, came in, the ACAC hit it, that one crashed up the Reed Valley. That's sad, really, you know, isn't it? It's incredible but, to think, because, yeah, you know, Rye these days, quiet, genteel... Yeah. But it really was on the front line, wasn't it? Oh, yes. I was at the collegiate school on Hilda's Cliff with Alan Catt, funnily enough. We are both certain we saw the bomb. You know, the air raid shelter went, so we all dived, I think, under a piano or something. And we both reckon we saw the bomb which landed at the cinema. The plane had obviously come in over the cricket pitch and released a bomb. Like all so many things, you wonder just how much do you dream, but there you go. Anyway... Fortunately, what I didn't dream, the school broke up. I then went back home, and sure enough, the bomb had landed on the uh, Ypres Castle, that area. It is difficult to believe, but the Rye Museum 
and I've got many pictures of the Rome Museum, it was a very big building that was all came down, that was all destroyed. Anyway, when I came, there were all these stuffed birds on the ground. There were a row of houses, a row of cottages uh, were also got flattened, including the Rise Old Police Station, that was buttered onto the castle. You know, and there was stuff everywhere, lying everywhere. There were all these stuffed birds. Jim Foster, he was there, and Jim just said, if you want any, you know, help yourself. And a voice behind me said, you bloody don't. I turned and my father was behind me. He could just see me again, hundreds of stuffed birds. I said, well, can I have one? Yeah, all right, so I had the cockatoo. So I kept my cockatoo. And then Jeff Bagley, who was another Yorkshireman, he put up to be mayor. At this time, Reverend Oscar Brooks, who was the vicar, he wanted to cut down all the trees in Rye Churchyard and lay all the stones flat. So that was his vision. I don't know why, really. Father said, I want us to tie the cockatoo to that branch which goes over the main pathway in the church, and I want to hang a board from it, and the board will say, the birds vote for Bagley. And so we did, <laughs> we did this, hung this board back, and next morning, Jeff, he wasn't at all amused, he tied a, a knife to, to the sort of clothes prop that you put the clothesline up, and he was hacking away and getting the board down on this cockatoo. Never saw the cockatoo again, so the whole thing disappeared. But you're talking about bombs being dropped. Oh, it yeah, must have been oh, terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yes. One's parents must have been going spare. But as kids, God, all this stuff flying around, you know, and you know, it was all excitement. You know, I was quite often seeing Germans going into the mortuary. When you go down those steps into the gun garden, the, the door on the castle, there was the mortuary there, and all these Germans who were picked up. According to my mother, I went home once, and I said, I've just seen a German who didn't have a head, Mum. That's what she told me. I said, I thought, well, if you say so, I've said that. I was very surprised they would have a German without a head. But there you go. That's what she said. Because the invasion was going to happen here, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, I've got maps. And the other day I was looking at statistics. There was going to be 1,200 barges were going to land. Where the hell they got them? Well, I don't know. 1,200 barges filled with so many soldiers. And they're all going to happen along here, along the beach. It's know. just incredible when you read about Operation Sea Line, I think yeah, it was called. Right. But yeah. when you go out to the harbour today and you see the pillbox, one pillbox, and that's all that's <laughs> over there. How on earth that was going to be the defence <laughs> of England, I don't know. And you see the pillbox, apparently, suddenly somebody said, well, actually, they're not going to do much, so they stopped building them. I always look at the one where you go to Camber, and there's one over there on the right, and that one had a bungalow put over it. A bungalow was dismantled in Camber, and was reassembled over it to make it look like a house. I remember on the road to um, Leeson Farm, and I saw this thin thing sticking up, you see, and I thought, oh, God, that's a bomb. So I went and got Sergeant Balcom. He was the chap in charge, big, tall chap, big scarsman. I said, look, sorry, sir, but I think I found a bomb. You know, we were living there near the police station, near Church Square. So he got on his bloody great bike, and I ran on behind, you know, and he looked down, he, he, <laughs> you, you do feel a charlie, I must say. He just put his hand in, he brought it out, and it was one of those metal you saw on gravestones with a, like a fin, but you put flowers in and a jar in <laughs> Yeah, You felt it, uh, right, bloody lemon, but, uh, you know, that's the way it was, you know, yeah. Yeah, funny enough, ten years ago, I was in the high street one day and an elderly woman came up to me and she just looked at me. She said, you're a Varley boy, aren't you? I said, well, I never own up readily. Why? She said, because you used to have these jackdaws from Camber Castle. I used to tame them and they used to come into my house pinching the jam and the stuff out of the... I said, oh, what? And I'm more about that. Yes, I remember you now. Yes, she said. <laughs> and so then, because obviously the war ended and I, said, I went off to school, did my national service. 
Venezuela. How come you ended up in Venezuela? I was in the Royal Sussex Regiment and then went on to get a commission as a Vuxi second lieutenant. The battalion was in Germany, so they didn't want any spare second lieutenants. A note went up that there was a choice of what we could do, which is unusual. I'm sure it was a choice. I got fouled with another chap called Roger Pratt, who in fact was our best man at our wedding. I said, come on, let's go for Nigeria. So we both put our name down for Nigeria, and that's where we ended up in the 3rd Battalion of the Nigeria Regiment. And I had a marvellous time, especially the bush camps. When you're young, everything's good, isn't it? I then came back, went to Canada for a month, but the weather was appalling. God, it was freezing. I thought, I wouldn't mind going back to Africa, tea, coffee, sugar, or one of these jobs. So I went up to London for people advertising jobs, you see, and I came across this one, which was, I must have been doing fish or something. Anyway, on the bottom it said, an occasional openings for ranch assistants in Venezuela or Colombia. And I thought, I could see myself as a sort of cowboy, you know, it seemed a good idea at the time. So you had the um, image of John Wayne rather well, that's than right, that's right, that's what right. Venezuela was that's actually right, like. That's right. You could see large American cars and big boots and hats and things. So I went up and had an interview, and I asked—I jokingly said they asked three questions. Have you ever worked on a farm? No. Ever ridden a horse? No. Do you speak Spanish? No. I was just the sort of chap we're looking for. Anyway, before I could say knife, I was on my way to a cruise ship to Venezuela, rather the West Indies. And I was there for four years. I had a marvellous time. One of the reasons is I worked in the Llanos of Venezuela, which is an area getting on for half the size of the United Kingdom, which is totally cut off by river, no bridges. The Orinoco and my river Apuri, and the other two sides were Colombia and Brazil. You had to either swim across or get a canoe or a ferry or something. And it kept the whole place free of people. One ranch I worked on for most of my time was half a million acres. And there was another chap called Roy Grigson who'd been there about 10 years when I arrived there. Very knowledgeable, very good cowboy. We all used the lassoes and all this sort of jazz. I must say, the image of American cowboy, we went most of the time barefooted. We had sawn-off trousers, splashing around in water for six months. They had something like 120,000 head of cattle. A lot of wild animals. I was giving a talk once, and there was a woman said, I think this is horrible. She said, you ate all these animals. I said, yes, I didn't realise. You know, now you perhaps wouldn't do it, but I, I'm sorry. But, you know, armadillo and all these, you know, lovely capybaras, large rodents, delicious. Oh, yeah, with onions and rice. Oh, got an alligator. No, don't recommend alligator. It's a very, bleh, it got no taste at all, just very pappy stuff. No. There's nothing you turned your nose up, then? No, no, tried it all, tried it all. Piranha fish, very tasty, piranha fish, but very bony. What the piranha fish have been eating before, I have no idea, but it, the meat was, was quite, yeah, quite tasty, really. Yeah, And obviously tortoises, we ate a lot of turtles. The rivers were swarming with turtles, alligators and turtles. The stingrays, they're in the shallow water. If you were on a horseback going somewhere in the water, you let the reins loose, and the horse, that could detect the slight swirl. What happens, they work the same principle as a scorpion. If you put your foot on it, the tail comes up. The double-edged sword goes into your whatever it is, and it comes and it brings all the tendons out with it. It's, oh, terrible thing. We actually paid a bounty for the stingrays, rattlesnake tails. I had to be given the tail, and I'd give them the, the sugar. And the one I do regret, we paid, it was about £10 for a jaguar. They brought in the jaguar skin. I only paid it once. And I was glad to. At the time, I didn't think, but I, on reflection, 
hell, there were so many old cattle that the company, they just quietly died. They, I'm sure the Jaguar would have thoroughly enjoyed just helping us on its way. So moving back to Rye after Venezuela, it must have seemed very small. You've been in a place with millions of cattle, millions of acres, and this small little town yeah, on the coast of Sussex. To be honest, I was so involved getting a business going, I really didn't have much time to think about anything. <laughs> My wife, Cathy, was the night sister after we were married. She was a night sister up at the Marai Memorial Hospital. So I've got to tell you, her wage chitty came in quite useful on more than one occasion <laughs> to help pay the wages, you know. But we got through, and I'd got a great pleasure out of building something out of a pile of wood and the end product, people getting in it and going for a trip in it. What do you like about rye? What's special to you about rye? I've got to first of all say the water works. <laughs> Perhaps that's not the thing you're asking for. I just think rye's big enough to know people, not too big that you don't. You know, some places they don't even know who their neighbour is, but we're very neighbourly minded, I think. I like the setup, I like the idea. I'm disappointed the way the yachting side has sort of died away because people do more things now, don't they? They're more interesting things they can do, bigger variety. People say to me, um, right now, you've given us talk about this and the other. Is rye better or worse? I said, overall, it is better because I said a lot of the properties have been done up and have been looked into. So I said, yeah, overall, I think rye's better. You know, when you look at Rye now, you go on the high street, it's always busy. Somebody's been making money somewhere along the line, even if you're just selling a cup of coffee. You know, Rye's very busy, isn't it? All right, people moan women can't get knickers and sort of stuff in Rye or something. Well, that's bad luck. I mean, men can get their bits and be it is, which is sad. You know, we've got to go to Hastings for it, I agree. But we've got a lot of grockle shops in Rye and hell, a lot of tea rooms. I mean, the price of property is bloody ridiculous. You know, to me, Watchbell Street, they were the, the slums. In fact, funnily enough, I hadn't realised this. I was on the Strand Quay one day, going back two or three years, sitting on one of those chairs, just ruminating and thinking about things. And these two elderly, I was going to say old trouts, but that apparently I shouldn't use this word, old trouts. Um, That's not uh, these two elderly ladies walked by and stopped me. She said, are you low? I said, yes. She said, my sister and I, we were born, and they pointed over the road, over toward where the car wash place is. And she said, my sister and I were born here. We then moved to Glasgow, and we've come back here for the first time. And she said, the houses we were born in were at right angles to the road, rows of them. I said, honestly, I've no idea. Anyway, well, thank you very much. When I spoke to, I think it could have been Frank Palmer, oh, he said, they were the, the slums. He said, <laughs> they, they were all knocked down in the 30s. They were considered the slums. And in fact, when you look at Church Square and the price of property, they were much the same. They were all pretty rough and ready. Because that's where the fishermen lived, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, the whole fish, whole lot was fishing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's funny, really. And of course, with the pandemic, people have poured out of London to anywhere with a back garden and somewhere where they can exercise a dog. Well, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's guilty it's, as charged. Guilty as charged, yeah. <laughs> yes. Our first house was Rye Laundry, the bottom of Udemore Road. It was our house we bought from Eddie Mills. Then we had it converted. The drying things that hung on poly pulleys were still there and the big pots. And then we moved on to Military Road and thoroughly enjoyed Military Road. I wouldn't like it now. Buddy, cars everywhere. And what I don't understand, parking at Gibbets Marsh is £2 a day. 
Do you know, for God's sake, that must be the cheapest park in England. Even the market's only £3 a day or something. Not a lot of money, is it? Oh God, don't tell the council. <laughs> well, it is, though, isn't it? You know, and people have shops, they, they go and park along Military Road. Noel, it's been amazing talking to you yeah. and so many stories. Brian's been good to me and everything I've done, I've so enjoyed. I've been very lucky. You know, some people do a job and they I don't want to do that, but I've always loved it. I've loved dry. As I say, I'll mention the waterworks again because I've said to Dave many times, this is the best thing that's happened in Ryan in years. Some people would disagree with me, but and I don't think they will. I think they will agree. You've done a very good job there. Your event on Easter Saturday is at the Community Centre. What will people be able to see and hear? They'll be able to see and hear anything from Rye at War, the Doodlebugs, Faces of Rye, Characters of Rye, Houses of Rye, Pubs of Rye, Military Road, Martello Tower, old pictures, and some of them are old, five are ahead, a cup of coffee and a bit of cake, two bits of cake if you pay more, and you'll be on hand to answer any questions. Oh, yeah, 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 I should be there. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Should be an amazing day. Noel, thank you for your time today. Not at all. <laughs> Thanks again to Noel Varley. It's Saturday, March the 30th, 10 till 2, at the Community Centre for more stories and pictures from Noel. You can get more information from the Rye Heritage Centre. Rycast returns in a couple of weeks. I'll be heading to one of Rye's annual events and might be carrying home from it. See what happens. Anyway, if you've got a story, it's rycastsussex at gmail.com. And remember, there's a whole archive of Rycast at rycast.org. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>